I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 81 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hammer that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have an awesome guest lined up for you guys today. I have a former ATF special agent who went undercover and infiltrated the Hells Angels motorcycle gang. Believe me, you do not want to miss this guy's incredible story. I have first class father Jay Dobbins joining me here on the podcast in just a minute. So stick around for that interview. I have to say thank you so much for all your support out there, especially to you monthly contributors. First Class Fatherhood is back in the top 10 currently on iTunes uh, for kids and family as I am recording this. And I have some really amazing guests heading your way. Next week, I'll have a couple of former NFL players on the podcast. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe, who was one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game, will be joining me here. And also, Super Bowl champion wide receiver Lance Moore will be joining me to talk about fatherhood. So come on, dads, lock it in. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here on First Class Fatherhood. And looking down the line a little bit, some other guests I have lined up for you guys. I will be joined here by Bedros Koulian, Ed Milet, Brad Leah, and candidate for the U.S. Senate, John James, will all be joining me here on First Class Fatherhood. And I am also in communication with a mega star that I am very excited about. I can't make the announcement just yet. I haven't locked in a date. But once I do, tune in right here. Uh, You can believe me. I will be announcing it right here on the podcast. And I'll be tweeting my face off about it. So lock it in for that info. And if there's any father out there in your circle, a new dad, an old dad, a single dad, whatever, please be sure to pass this podcast along. And I couldn't be happier with the response that I've been getting from dads all across the country and even all across the world now. It's really, it's truly been amazing. I am very humbled by it. And I haven't had a father on this show yet who claims to have nailed fatherhood and has it down to a science. The one thing I think we all have in common as dads is that we all fail at times as fathers and that we all just want to be the best dads that we can be despite all of our faults. I mean, we really love our kids. We want the best for our kids. And today's guest is no different. Jay Dobbins speaks candidly about his shortcomings as a father. And his story will really leave you inspired, no doubt. And it will make you want to be a better dad than you were yesterday. So let me smack you with a quick spot here. And I'll be right back with former undercover ATF agent Jay Dobbins. I'm Alec Lace. And you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a former All-Pac-10 wide receiver who played ball at the University of Arizona. He is a former undercover special agent with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. He is a New York Times best-selling author of No Angel, My Harrowing Undercover Journey into the Inner Circle of the Hells Angels. It is my honor to say, Jay Dobbins, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for having me, and welcome to your audience. All right, Jay, let's start it here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have two. I have a 27-year-old daughter and a 23-year-old son. All right, one and one. What type of sports or activities were they into? 
Oh, my goodness, everything you can imagine. Every type of physical activity from soccer to swimming to t-ball to baseball to football to softball, volleyball, golf, uh, you name it. Uh, we have a very sports-driven family, and I encourage my kids to try everything, um, whether they were successful or not, whether they were good at it or not. Uh, to get out there and participate and be willing to try was important. That's awesome. All right, I know you're currently coaching high school football, but did you have the opportunity to coach the kids when they were playing ball? I did. I coached uh, both my kids as youngsters in youth programs. I coached my son uh, in high school as a football player, and then after he left uh, high school, he continued to he got a scholarship and continued to play football in college. But I continued coaching at the high school that he attended after he left. Cool. All right, Jay, you are the author of an awesome book, No Angel, My Harrowing Undercover Journey to the Inner Circle of the Hell's Angels. The book is a phenomenal read, and for me it was kind of like Donnie Brasco meets Sons of Anarchy. I am putting a link in the description of this podcast episode, so you guys that are listening, just tap the link, man. It'll bring you right to where you can buy the book. I highly recommend it. But, Jay, for those listening who are a little unfamiliar with your story, please hit us with a little bit about your background and how you ended up infiltrating the Hell's Angels motorcycle gang. Well, I was a federal agent. I was an ATF agent for 27 years. Um, over the course of that time, almost all my experience and all my activity was in undercover work. Uh, over the course of my career, I participated in uh, over 500 undercover operations, one of which was uh, the infiltration of the Hells Angels motorcycle gang, uh, which was primarily based in Arizona, but which went all over the country with operations. Wow, okay, yeah, as a single guy, I can kind of understand the philosophy of, hey, if something happens to me, so be it. But as a family man, as a father, there's so much more at stake. There's so much more to lose. So how did you handle the fear of, one, something happening to you and now your family having to move on without you, or two, being uncovered and your family now becoming the target of a retaliation? Well, that's a good question. And those fears uh, for my family became reality. Uh, after the Hells Angels case uh, concluded and my undercover operations were done, my true identity was revealed, and uh, the death and violence threats came. And those threats uh, went well beyond me. Uh, there was threats uh, to uh, videotape the gang rape of my wife. There were death threats on my kids. There were threats to locate my uh, daughter, who was a teenager at the time, and torture her. There were threats. Uh, I, I had uh, Hell's Angels uh, threatening to say, hey, we know where your kids go to school. Uh, we know you love that little boy. When he gets off the, when you're waiting for him to get off a school bus someday and he doesn't get off, you think about who's got him and what we're doing to him. Uh, in 2008, my house was burned to the ground in a failed assassination attempt. My family was inside the house at the time the, the arsonists hit it. Uh, they barely escaped. They escaped with smoke inhalation injuries and, and were lucky to get out of the house. Uh, actually, my son, who was 10 years old at the time, discovered the fire. Um, everybody was asleep. Um, he was awoken by the windows shattering from the fire. The house was, was consumed with flames at 3 o'clock in the morning. He rescued his mother and his daughter from the fire. The, the arson investigators said, if your son doesn't wake up, your family dies in that fire. 
So those fears that you described uh, and, and what my professional life brought into my personal life and brought onto my family uh, became reality. Incredible. Wow. Uh, now, have your kids been resentful to you, towards you, because of uh, all the work that you've done, everything you've been involved in, and because it has greatly affected their lives? Well, I think that's natural. I, I think that my kids, due to the life I lived, uh, were uh, forced to deal with situations and events that no person should ever have to deal with, uh, especially a child, especially a kid. Uh, let alone any adults. So, are they resentful towards me? I, 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 I'll say this. I've made a million mistakes in my life. I've made a million mistakes with my family and with my kids, and they've given me a million and one second chances. Well said, Jay. Um, one of the things that's really fascinating to me about a biker gang like the Hells Angels is that they do do a lot of charity type work. They raise money for kids all the times. And then I hear about these stories of uh, murder and mayhem. So it's really a, a conflict of appearance. Are they more of a motorcycle club or are they a gang? Well, you know, they have an excellent propaganda machine and they're very good at putting uh, a public face or a public image forward of that they're just these uh, fun-loving rascals who have a brotherhood of liking to ride motorcycles together, but they're really good guys. Um, when they do that, they want us as society to ignore uh, murder and rape and extortion and human trafficking and gun running and, and drug trafficking and um, all types of violent crime that are um, accepted within what they call their club, I call their gang. Um, clubs typically do not reserve and hold positions and places of honor for their members who are convicted of violent, vile, despicable crimes. The Hells Angels do. They're a gang. Okay, so it's basically a front for what's going on behind the scenes. Well, and they're so effective at it, too. They're really good at convincing uh, the public that they're harmless and that they're misunderstood. Um, and I will say this is every, is every, uh, person that wears a hell's angel vest, a murderer or a rapist. No, they're not. Um, but there are those types of people within the gang who are giving, get given elevated status and elevated respect, uh, because of the crimes they committed. And, and they warmly hold a place for those guys when they're convicted, um, after they're incarcerated, when they come out. And there's a placeholder there waiting for them. They're honored. Wow, okay, so more like a mafia-type uh, street credit operation. They're, the, they're, the, they're mafia on motorcycles is what they are. Okay, Jay, so tell me, from what you've seen, your experience, what are the members of the Hells Angels like as parents to their children? Do they bring them up to become members of the club, or do they keep them separate from the whole organization itself? Uh, both. I think from my personal observation, um, I saw, to be honest with you, I saw some great parenting. I saw some loving, loyal parenting uh, from, from gang members. I also saw some despicable parenting. Um, I don't know that they, uh, as, as far as how they handle their children, are any different really than, than the big picture of society. You have 
good parents and you have bad parents. You have people that uh, try to promote their kids and advance their kids, and you have people that disregard their kids. Um, I think that the, the the model of society and the spectrum that we see there wasn't any different within the Hells Angels game. Okay, how did your experience inside the Hells Angels and being a witness to all this stuff, how did it change you or affect you as a father? Well, it, um, I'll be honest with you, um, and this is not a flattering statement to make, and, I, and I've listened to uh, many of your guests on your show, and they're really tremendous uh, human beings, tremendous fathers who, um, through all walks of life, somehow managed to raise great kids. Um, this is a humiliating statement to make. Man, I, I failed my family uh, many times. Uh, during my undercover roles, during my undercover cover work, especially during the Hells Angels case. Um, I became so consumed with my role and so uh, entrenched in what I was doing that there was times when I abandoned and ignored and betrayed my own family, betrayed my own kids in exchange for the job I was doing. And I'm not proud of that. It's It's shameful, and I carry the guilt with that. Uh, with those decisions, but um, I don't blame people. I don't. I don't make excuses. Um, anything bad that happened to me, um, I had a hand in it, and I hold myself accountable for it. Yeah, taking ownership of our failures as fathers is important on all levels because we all fail as fathers, and, and time management between career and, and fatherhood is difficult. I've spoken to many high-level athletes, Navy SEALs, and it's a real dichotomy. It's, it's difficult for all of us. So. Uh, please tell me, Jay, because your story does remind me a little bit of the Donnie Brasco film. Is there an element to you that kind of sympathized with the guys you were gathering intel on and looking to bust? Sure. I, I crossed paths with people who I developed an affection for. I developed uh, relationships with people. When you spend, you know, that undercover infiltration was two years. It wasn't uh, every moment of it wasn't in some uh, violent or, or threatening situation. I got to see them as people. I got to see them as human beings. Uh, the, the disappointing part is that when you see people that you uh, grow to like and, um, and enjoy their company with in certain aspects of their life, but then when you see them do something illegal or violent or that's uh, offensive, you look at them like, man, you're better than this. You're, you, I know you. I've seen the other side of you. You're better than this. Well, I really think that's true of all of us. I think we're all children of God, and none of us are perfect. There's good in us. There's bad in us, and I really do believe that. And I think it's more of people conforming to a certain role in society that we're being made to play uh, in our lives because we're trying to belong to something or trying to fit into something. And, we, and some people, they, they stray pretty far off the path. Well, I think, you know, like for me in this, in, in these undercover roles that I played, I, I, I typically played the role of a, of a hitman and a debt collector. That was a, like a little, a, a bit of a universal cover story that I applied into various criminal organizations and, and various suspects. And, you know, like I would come home from these long stints on the road, um, away from home. And I did a poor job of separating that undercover street persona from who should have been the husband and the father. 
and I would come home, and my wife told me on more than one occasion, you can't show up at this house and treat us like we're your suspects. And then in my self-defense, I would say, I'm not a light switch. I can't turn this off and on. People that treat what I do for a living as a hobby, they get dead. I have to be all in. I'm not a light switch. And then her response was, well, when you come to this house, you better install a dimmer switch and turn that down because we are not street thugs. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, I can't even begin to imagine that struggle. I mean, you talk about a change of direction from one extreme to the other, going from the hit man to the family man. I think in contrast to many of the guests you've had who are some very heroic, uh, like, uh, champions of fatherhood, um, I've, I've tried to be a good father. I've tried to repair uh, some of the battle damage that I created. Um, but, but my story is, is in many ways is a failure story. My story is, is as much about the mistakes I made and the regrets I have and the guilt I carry from those as they are through the achievements. Yeah. Well, well, you're a first class father in my book, Jay, but I mean, I'm curious as a father of a daughter now, I know she's a little older now, but back when she was in the dating scene as a teenager, say, how did you deal with that? I kind of picture you as the guy with the shotgun there and, and the pimple faced prom date is standing there wetting his pants. Uh, how are you with that whole scene? Well, I'll tell you, uh, one of the first experiences she had, she had a kid show up at the house to take her on a date and, um, I pulled him aside. And I was, I mean, I was in my role. I, my appearance and my attitude was pretty aggressive and pretty rough. And I put my arm on this kid's shoulder and I said, for 16 years, it has been my job to take care of her and protect her. For tonight, I'm turning that responsibility over to you. You are now in that role for the, for your, for your adventure tonight. If anything happens to her, that she doesn't approve of, of anything that happens to her that's bad, your mother will weep when she sees what I've done to you. Now go have a great night. <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. Um, all right, how about you as a disciplinarian, uh, letting, letting your kids know what line not to cross? How are you with disciplining the children? Did you spank your kids? How did you go about it? I did. I was, um, I was hard on my kids. Um, lovingly hard on them, I believe. I didn't get them. I, I didn't let them get away with a lot. Um, if they ever, uh, even even to the point where I ever caught them being short or moderately disrespectful to their mother, I tightened them up. I was like, "You need to understand who you're talking to when you speak like that." Um, I tried to teach them respect. I tried to teach them dignity. I tried to teach them integrity through all these various uh, teaching moments that come up when you're trying to parent kids. And um, my kids have turned out um, amazingly well. Um, they are uh, my greatest source of pride and my greatest source of achievement. But I'll say this, um, there's not a night that I ever went to bed. There's still not a night that I go to bed where I don't lay my head down on a pillow and think about the things I did wrong um, with my kids in my life, the things that I said that I shouldn't have said, the things that I didn't say that I should have said, the things that I did and didn't do 
that were wrong. Um, not a night goes by that has ever gone by in my life where I don't close the day and lay my head on the pillow and wish I had done better. Okay, Jay, what kind of advice could you give to the parent whose kid is attracted to the biker gang world or he thinks the lifestyle looks sexy and appealing and he's showing signs of heading down that biker world direction? What would you say to those parents or even those kids? You know, man, that is so hard because the entertainment industry uh, glamorizes that lifestyle. And it, like you said, it makes it sexy. It makes it exciting. Um it, it makes it seem very adventurous, and to certain people, that's appealing. Uh, man, there's a dark side to it, man. It's a hard life. Uh, when, when I started running uh, with, with the Hells Angels, uh, the guy I was working for, the president of the charter I was in, he said, I can promise you three things. I can promise you death, violence, and prison. That's my sales pitch. Welcome to the game. That's the reality of it. Okay, well, knowing what you know now and how everything played out, would you do this? Would you do it all over again? I would. Um, in hindsight, I would do it better. I would do it cleaner. Um, you know, like like any of us, we don't have a crystal ball. We react to situations the best we can. Um, but I'll say this: um, through my career, through my profession, I loved what I was doing. When the alarm clock went off in the morning and I put my feet on the ground, I was excited to go to work. I was excited for what the challenges were. And I've tried to convey that to my kids, to the kids I coach, to the kids I speak to. Whatever it is that you choose to do with your life, be excited about it. Um, don't base your decisions on money. Don't chase the dollar bill. Chase your passion. Chase something that when it is time for you to go to whatever it is, that job you choose, that career you choose, you can't wait to go. You can't wait to get there. Um, it's, a, it's a much more pleasant, happy way to go through life with that attitude than it is looking at what the size of your bank account is. Well said. Yeah, and I'm trying to do that with this podcast here. Um, all right, Jay, what are you up to now? What's driving you? What are you motivated by? What are you working on? What's next for Jay Dobbins? Well, there, you know, there are several things. Um, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I coach high school football. I coach at South Point Catholic High School in Tucson, and uh, that brings me great joy. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not the best football coach out there. Um, and I love the game. But I love being around the kids and my players more than I love football. Um, I love the interaction with them. I love seeing them grow and achieve. And um, when they fail, I try to be there uh, to help them recover from that. Um, I press my kids. I'm hard on them. I challenge them. Um, and I tell them this all the, all the time. If I don't push you, if I don't challenge you, if I'm not hard on you, I'm cheating you. That is my job. It's not my job to be your friend every day. I want, I, I want you to like me. I want to have your respect. But my job is to challenge you because if I don't, I cheat you. Um, and what we learn in sports uh, through life, especially team sports, translates into every other aspect of our world. Ultimately, the people that are great at what they do um, all of us, you, me, 
anybody out there, people running families, people running businesses, people coaching teams, um, or problem solvers. That's, that's the people that are great problem solvers are great at what they do. And you do that through communication and through relationships and through trust. And so, you know, on the first end, um, I try to convey those things to the kids I coach. Um, on a personal level, professional level, um, I speak, uh, to law enforcement groups. I speak to corporate groups. And the, and the, the mantra of that, the message of that, pretty much remains the same. It, it doesn't change a whole lot because it applies across the board for every aspect of our life. Yeah, I think sports is one of the few places left where our kids can kind of fail and get that experience of failure and then growth. Uh, but I fear, like many dads here I've been talking about on the podcast, I fear that that's been uh, disappearing in our culture. And I speak on it often that uh, the whole every kid gets a trophy mentality is very damaging. How do you feel about the participation trophy philosophy? Well, personally, for me, um, I've learned more from my failures than I have from my successes. And when you fail and when you make mistakes, then when you win or when you achieve, it means something. It holds some value. Um, you work towards something and you uh, uh, earned that accomplishment versus having it handed to you. Um, I think that that is uh, an element of our current society, of our culture, where we fall short, is that we reward um, mediocrity. We reward uh, something less than our best. And so that uh, trains us as people to expect reward for something less than our best performance. And that, that's, you know, that's, it's just not good for anybody. It's not good for kids or adults. Yeah, I think it's crippling this generation of kids uh, and to not get the ability to earn, uh, but instead they're being rewarded basically, as you said, for not putting out their max effort. So, um it's a little sad, but last thing I want to hit you with here, Jay, is I like to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to the new father or to that about-to-be dad that's out there listening? I think that um, unconditional love is uh, really important because, um, like any of us, your kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to fail. They're going to do things wrong. Um, that unconditional love to put your arm around them when they blow something up or when they trip is important. But I think also like correcting that. And um, like I said for myself, second chances are hugely important. Everybody deserves a second chance. And you know, like I said earlier in, in our conversation, I've got a million second chances in my life. Um, but I think that we need uh, to do a better job of raising our kids Basically, to be resilient, to be tough. Um, when I was growing up, um, my dad, my hero, who was a very kind man, um, a very compassionate man, but he was tough. And I remember he, him telling me, as a, as a young person, the worst four-letter word anybody can ever call you is soft, S-O-F-T. Never let anybody say you're soft. Always get up. Always find a way to get back on your feet. Always find a way to crawl back up when you get knocked down. 
And I think that's I think that's a message that we need to send to our kids because guess what? Life is going to knock you down. Life is going to kick you in the balls, and you got to figure out like how to overcome it and come back from that. And you have to do it over and over and over again for your entire life. Yeah, very well said. Uh, we need that right now as a country. The youth in this country definitely need that message, and it's an important one. Um, all right, hey, this has been great, Jay. Do you have anything else you want to throw in there before I wrap it up? Just uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I, I've seen your your lineup of guests. I'm very humbled and flattered uh, t- to be included in this group because there's some remarkable, amazing people that you've spoken to. And um, you know, all we can do every day is just go out and do our best as parents, as people. Um, and you know what? You're going to trip along the way. You're going to make mistakes along the way, um, and identify them and try to recover from them. And that's life. Awesome. Great stuff. You were very well spoken. I appreciate you taking the time out to give me a few minutes here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you and all my best to your audience. Good luck and and raise those babies up to go do amazing things. All right. I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Jay Dobbins for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was pretty cool. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I'm always curious to get your feedback. And please keep it locked in here for next week. I'll be joined by a couple of former NFL players, Willie Rofe, Lance Moore. And I got some more guests lined up for you guys. Uh, Please continue to listen. Share the podcast with any dad that you know. Sharing is caring. That's all I got for you guys. Enjoy the weekend. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as